Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about improving yourself. Let's hit it. Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lee Evans. And on tonight's episode, I'm joined by me. That's right. I'm alone. Again. And for some of you, this may be a moment of joy. And for others, you might be incredibly, incredibly disappointed. But that's not the point. On tonight's episode, we're talking about something that's very real. A very real subject that affects many of us the moment our class ends. We love improv, but we find ourselves not always at improv class. So the question is, how do you practice improv by yourself? How do you study? How do you grow? How do you get better at this uh, addictive art form? Well, you're away from your friends, your community, your classmates, your teacher. There's got to be a way, right? Well, in tonight's episode of Improv for the Podcast, we're going to be diving in, talking about it, learning uh, some different ways uh, we can think about improv, study it, grow in it while we're on our own. Because the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, more often than not, you're not in improv class, but you're thinking about the next time you're going to be there. So you might as well do something to help you prepare for that. I think that's something I've thought about in my time being involved with improv is that I'm always just thinking about the next class and waiting and waiting until I get there before I can start working on myself. But that is far from the case, right? There are so many opportunities or so many little things in our life that we can do to help prepare us for class. It's like you're giving yourself homework, right? You're taking certain concepts of improv, certain techniques, and finding ways to apply them to your regular life. So tonight, there's going to be three areas that we're breaking down to help us think about where and when we can practice improv. First area are some exercises that you can do on your own as an individual. The second area uh, are some books that I would strongly recommend uh, for anyone interested in learning more about improv, its history, technique, all that good stuff. And finally, the third category is things to prepare or think about leading up to class to help you when you're ready to jump in. So let's talk about that first section, exercises, right? Oh my gosh, I bet we can all name a ton of different improv exercises that we do in class with a scene partner, with multiple folks on stage, right? Your teacher sets it up, you're standing in a circle, you're shaking down at the end of class. We all love improv exercises and we all love the opportunity to do them. They're one of my favorite parts, right? Showing up every week, uh, we play a game like T-shirt, uh, we play Kitty in the Corner. I, I don't know if that's a real game. Uh, bunny, 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 right? There's so many improv exercises. I just gave the worst three examples, but there are so many out there that we enjoy. But I want you, listener, to be able to practice improv on your own. Now, these exercises are all things that I have done personally myself. These are not the only exercises that exist in the world, but these are some recommendations that I have. Again, there are also a ton of great resources out on the internet, but um, the resources you hear in tonight's episode will also be linked in the show notes if you're interested in seeing a written description, right? So you can come, check it out, learn a little more. All right, so let's talk about these exercises. So the first exercise I have is writing exercises. 
Oftentimes, improv is described as writing while you're on stage. You're writing on your feet. So why don't we take that idea of writing on our feet and while you're alone wanting to practice improv, why don't you just write on the page instead, right? You have that opportunity when not in an improv scene. You can pull out a notebook, a piece of paper, an iPad, a chisel and stone, whatever it is you like to use to write. And we can use those tools to help us get our mind going. So here are some writing exercises that I have. Uh, I typically like to set a timer just to kind of give myself that pressure of thinking quickly, you know, so it's not, uh, oh, I have an unlimited amount of time. I can pause. I can go slow because when you set a timer, it puts that pressure on and you're able to get your thoughts onto the page without judging them, which is what we want to do in improv as well. You don't have time to think, is this a good idea? Is this a good idea? No, you just want to spit it out. Gray space. Get it out there. Even if it's absolute nonsense, get it out there. Justify it later, Right. Improv, getting your ideas on stage is like giving birth to a baby deer without legs, but then it gets the legs after you give birth. That's a really gross analogy, but that's essentially the idea, right? You're just putting an idea out there. It may not have legs to stand on, but you add those in later. That's improv, baby. You're riding on your feet. You add the legs later, and that's what you can do on the page. So set a timer. That timer could be for two minutes. It could be for seven minutes. I encourage you to maybe focus on shorter times, especially if you're just starting this out. And there are a few different ways you can challenge yourself during that two-minute timer. You could give yourself a one-word suggestion. Banana, go. And you just start writing everything that comes to your mind related to banana. You are beating that premise to a pulp off the top of your head, just writing it on the page, right? This helps with premise generation. You're taking that single concept and writing as much as you can think about related to that premise, maybe within a two-minute period, right? Banana, peel. I have a lot of appeal. Banana, phallic. I mean, that's an easy one, but right, you got to think about these different premises. Oh, it's a scene where the guy only eats the banana peel, not the banana, right? Just generate premises, concepts, ideas, characters. Just get your mind going based off that single word. See where it takes you. Don't judge it. Just write it, right? And no one has to see these writings. That's the best part. You're kind of practicing your gray space, that muscle. You're practicing that muscle on your own so it gets stronger, right? That's the idea of that. So you can start writing. You set a two-minute timer. You have a one-word suggestion. That's an idea. But maybe you want to mix it up. Maybe you say, hey, I want to give myself a different example. I want to listen to someone tell a story, give a monologue, maybe listening to a scene from a television show or an interview. Go to YouTube, one of the greatest free tools that we have ever in modern society, right? Go on YouTube, look up someone doing one of those things, someone doing a monologue, someone giving a speech, whatever that is, look it up, listen to that speech. As soon as the speech stops, two-minute timer, three-minute timer, go. Start writing on the page. What do you associate with that speech? What did you pull from it? Was there something interesting about the way the person spoke, uh, something they said, uh, a story they were sharing that was hilarious, right? See all the things you can pull from that. The reason we do this, right? A big part of IFTP work, especially in IFTP shows, uh, is interviewing an audience member, right? And there's so much rich content in those audience interviews that we do. But the challenge is that you have to do 20 to 25 minutes of long-form improv based off that audience interview. We need to milk that interview dry. Milk that sucker dry, right? Get all the premise that you can pull from that interview. There's so much good stuff in there. Find it. Get it. 
practice this, grow this muscle, strengthen yourself so that the next time you're in a scenario, you listen to a monologue or an anecdote or someone tells a story and you got to do an improv scene based off of it, you'll be better at pulling key details, inflection, how they said a word, not just the literal elements. There's so much more there. The, the subtext, right? So much more there than just, I went to the store. Oh, we're doing a scene about how they went to the store. Maybe it was how they said it that you play off of in your scene. I went to the store. Going to the store isn't the funny part. It's maybe how the person said it. So that's the second way to do these writing exercises. What about a third way, right? What about a third way to do these writing exercises? Well, if you're feeling really, really dangerous, this is going to be a crazy one. So if you're driving, double check your seatbelts buckled. If you're at home folding laundry, you better have socks on because they're about to get blown off. For the third one, don't have a premise. Don't listen to a speech. Don't listen to anything. Just do it. Just set a timer. Go. Stream of consciousness. Whatever comes to the top of your head. I know. Absolutely insane. But it can be a lot of fun. It's a little like journaling, but journaling speed mode meets improv insanity meets gray space, right? Journaling is about kind of reflecting on your day, your feelings, things like that. Whereas this is just pouring your mind out of the page. You are the Henry David Thoreau of improv when you do this, right? Walden Creek, just uh, your mind, the stream of consciousness onto the page. Do that. I promise you it's a lot of fun. It's one of my favorite ways to do it is just dump whatever's in your head. You will put some dumb stuff onto that page, but there will be some gems too, and you will surprise yourself. Now, the fun part about this uh, that I mentioned earlier, right? Again, whether you're giving yourself a one-word suggestion, you're listening to a speech or interview, or you're just going off the dome for these writing sessions, is that no one else has to see it. Again, no one else will see this. It's private. It's sacred. It's like a private workout. You're building your gray space muscle. You're building your premise generation muscle. You're building all those things. You're making connections. You're A to C, right? You hear something. How do you associate it? Do you go to the next thing? You hear banana. Do you immediately think of orange, another fruit, right? That's A to B. Or do you hear banana and A to C, something else? Did a bad job of thinking an example. But you know what I mean when I say A to C, right? Think of the next thing. You hear banana, wet floor sign. Uh, 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 uh. That might be an A to D, but it's close, Right? You're, you're building this muscle. It's private. No one has to see it. There's no fear of judgment. The only person that's going to judge you for doing this is yourself. So get out of your own way. Okay. So that's writing exercises. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize how much I could rant on writing exercises. I am insane. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. All right. The next thing that you can do is um, you can play uh, a favorite game by yourself called Three Things. Oh yeah, three things, right? We play it almost every episode of this podcast. Essentially, if there's a guest, we're playing three things. If there's not a guest, uh, I did play three things with myself when I interviewed myself. But right now, uh, here we go. Three things I can see in this room. Uh, iPhone, TV, air conditioning unit, ring light, giant IFTP sign, green screen, rug, a fake exposed brick wall. Okay, I named a lot more than three things, and those were literal. It wasn't off the top of my head. Wait, how about three things you'd find in a podcast studio? A bottle of Mountain Dew, pair of headphones, cords, lights, microphone, podcasters, script. 
tablet. There you go. I don't know what my point was with all that, but um, yeah. Play three things with yourself. You're driving on the road. Three things you might find in the state of Arizona. Arrowhead, coyote, rocks. Nailed it, right? Three things you might find on the ceiling. Popcorn, mold, vent. Right? There are so many different ways for you to play three things. And it's just like, how quick can you come up with stuff? Again, it almost goes back to grace, grace spacing, but it's a little more focused. It's association. You're like, I hear this. Oh, I know what goes in that. I hear this. I know what goes in that. And three things is, is, is so approachable because the level of challenge is determined by you if you give yourself a category, right? If you're having trouble, think of categories. Literally go on Google or your preferred search engine and go random category generator. Matthew Moore once made fun of me for using generators, but I will tell you this. The solo improviser can benefit greatly from the power of online generators. Use them or lose them, baby. Use them or lose them. Right, so three things. Now, if you're really feeling bold and this kind of breaks, it breaks the episode a little bit, but you can do these exercises with another person who maybe is not an improviser. And I know that's not doing improv by yourself, but maybe a family member, spouse, significant other, whatever, you know? Go, hey, want to play a fun game? Uh, we're going I'm, to, I'm going to give you a category and I want you to try and think of three things that fit that category. And then they do it back to you. And it could be a fun game to play. You know, maybe, maybe someone who's not as into improv, this is something that's super approachable, right? They don't even see it as improv. Don't tell them it's improv. Maybe you go to Disneyland and you're in line for a ride or Dole Whip or whatever. Play this game. Play this game. It'll distract you from the two-hour wait time to get on Space Mountain, right? Again, I'm just giving you ideas. So three things by yourself, ton of fun. The last kind of exercise category I have for you, and again, these are just three examples. There's so much more, but these are three that I personally am very fond of. The last one I call uh, characters in the car. Now, I know not everyone lives a life where they spend so much time in a car. I personally do because of just the work that I do right now. There are some days where I spend three to four hours in the car. It's just part of the deal. And I love podcasts. I love audiobooks. I love music. But sometimes, sometimes you got to mix it up. Sometimes you just want to hear yourself. You don't want to hear other people. You don't want to hear them. So you got to mix it up. Characters in the car. So here's how this game works for me. Especially if you're in bumper to bumper traffic, you got to be careful. Be subtle. Be discreet. Be respectful. But do this look around, observe the other drivers, passengers, occupants of vehicles nearby. If you're driving in uh, an urban area, right, the streets, that's what I mean. Like if you're driving in downtown LA versus on the freeway, right, there's sidewalks, people walking around all around you. Look to those folks, right? Be like, oh, this guy's interesting here on the, on the Lime scooter. He's an interesting fellow. Observe these people, their qualities, right? How they move. Give them a voice. Write that character in that moment. How are they acting? How are they feeling? Do they have an opinion? It could start with traffic. It can start with what's around you, but let it evolve, right? Give that character a voice. 
I myself love doing a California voice while I'm driving. Just like, so I did. There's so much traffic out here. <laughs> no way, man. I'm on the way to the beach, bro. Gotta shred the gnar, dude. I can't, uh, I can't be shredding out here in the traffic in California. No way, dude. No. Like, just, I don't know, if there's an accent or a voice you like, especially if you're in the car by yourself, who cares, right? Don't get in your own way. Practicing improv by yourself is an opportunity to get out of your own way, to stop judging your thoughts, your ideas, before they come out of your mouth or your mind. Just move out of your way. Have some fun doing a silly voice in the car, right? If you're bad at accents, practice your accents in the car, right? Your British accent. Go in the car. Who are you today? Why are you driving? Dad, I say, I'm driving to uh, the royal palace of uh, uh, the Queen Elizabeth's uh, son, whose name I definitely remember, and that's, that's why I'm in so much trouble today with my work. I've forgotten the king's name, and I've got to give him these priceless teacup artifacts. Oh, dear, mine. This is just horrendous. I didn't drink my tea this morning. I was in a, such a rush that I must have left the kettle on the stove. And oh my gosh, it's probably whistling now. Oh dear. Oh well, well, I hope the wife will pick it up. Yes. No, that was a mistake. I'll have to send her a text message uh, to hopefully help me out. See how much fun you can have with that? Just go on a freaking rant. Give a point of view. Choose a voice. Pick a character. Just... That's your time. Be loud. Be quiet. It doesn't matter. You're alone. The car is the greatest performance venue of all time. Use it or lose it. I've said that before. Um, obviously, if you do take public transit, uh, do this at your own risk. Have fun. Because, honestly, the trains have gotten better. Buses, they're solid. Sometimes they're late, but they're solid. They exist. They get you where you need to be. But... um. Yeah, some of these games in a public transit situation may not work as well or, you know, be respectful to others around you, right? If you're in an Uber pool, for example, and you just started going off as like some insane character, oh, top of the morning to ya. So glad to be sharing an Uber pool with ya, huh? Oh, you know, uh, I'm headed down this way. Oh, right. Uh, of course I'm headed to O'Sullivan's. Oh, it's my favorite pub. Don't be doing that in an Uber pool. Just be regular, be chill, right? But these exercises are perfect for the car or if where you live, you're alone. Do these things. Just don't bother your neighbors. If you have them, they're close by, but like, do it. Do it. Do it. Word of advice. If you're at work, be careful with this one. It's a lot of fun, but... Don't. Like, if you sit at a desk and someone sits near you at a desk, maybe don't do this. Unless, like, your coworkers are cool like that. There you go. All right. So those are exercises. That was a lot of talking. I'm very excited about exercises. But to summarize, writing exercises. Give yourself a prompt and a timer. See what you write about. Go back and read it later. Play three things by yourself. Do characters in the car or at home while you're alone. Look around you in the world to find inspiration and fly from there. Moving on to the next category of ways you can improv yourself while you're not here at the beautiful IFTP studio. Media books. I said media and books because I personally am an audiobooks kind of guy. I like audiobooks. 
again, like I mentioned earlier, I sometimes drive a lot for work. Audiobooks are really great for me. Love them. Love audiobooks. I have trouble sitting down and reading a paper book. I don't know why. That's just the deal. I've done it before, but at this point, I'm an adult. I can consume books how I want to consume them. Except for SparkNotes, that's cheating. Only do that if you're in high school. That's a joke. All right, so some books I would highly recommend. There are so many more books out here. I know over the 40-plus episodes of this show, a lot of books have been recommended. These are three near and dear to me. Just because I tell you to read these doesn't mean you have to, but I recommend them. The first one, this is like the starter pack of improv books, Truth and Comedy, written by Del Close and Sharna Halpern, who Del Close and Sharna Halpern are like the parents of Harold, which, right, Harold is the long-form improvisation form uh, born in Chicago that kind of blossomed into so much. It, it, you know, it helped Second City really grow. It put UCB on the map, right? The Herald is this, this long form, considered the standard by a lot of folks in improvisation. This book deals with the idea that comedy isn't about being funny, it's about the truth. And that's as simple as a premise as possible, but I highly encourage you, it's an excellent read. Doug Close, although he was a troubled man, he was an improv genius. Interesting, interesting guy. And Sharna Halpern was, you know, an improv genius as well. I think she's still with us. Don't quote me on that. But this book is, these two people were very important in improv's early stages developing into a beautiful American art form. Please take a look at it. I guarantee you, if there's a comedian or professional improviser that you love, they have read this book. Actors as well. It's a really great book. Just the idea of truth in comedy. So good, so good. The next book that I would recommend, Improvise by Mick Napier. So this is kind of like a, a pack to gauge your level of Im improv interest. Truth and Comedy is digestible. It's a short book. It's got some exercises in there. It talks about the Herald. It talks about improv basics, yes and, things like that. It's really great. Improvise by Mick Napier takes it to another level. It's, it defines the rules for improv, but then tells you to question them, to break them to bend them, right? To do all these things. Uh, it gives you exercises for scenes, exercises you can do by yourself. So in a way, it's a continuation of this podcast, but with more information. And uh, Mick Napier, he's an improviser, actor, director, uh, especially during improvs like Heyday in Chicago, Second City, the Annoyance Theater, right? These different locations. Mick Napier, this guy worked with like Stephen Colbert, Rachel Dratch, so many other people who came out of the 1980s, 1990s improv scene onto SNL, comedy, so many other places. This guy knows his stuff. It's a really interesting book. A lot of cool stuff. Um, exercises, again, just breaking down scenes. How to be a better performer. Read this book. If you want to be a better performer, read this book. Finally. Oh, man. This one, this book, Improv Nation by Sam Watson. This book is the, to me, the definitive history book on improv as an American art form, going back to its early roots in education with Viola Spolin to where we are now as this, you know, this, this vehicle for comedy and creation, right? This powerhouse, this juggernaut, right? The history of improv is fascinating and littered with characters and ah, just so many interesting folks, so many interesting stories about how it evolved and was shaped over the years by so many different hands. Improv Nation 
I think, presents the idea that improv is one of the true great American art forms. You know, America, a lot of times, our best thing that we have is taken from another country and modified or adapted. But improv is one of those things that might truly be ours. Take a look at this book. Check out the story of improv. Absolutely fascinating. Okay. So those are three books that I would recommend. Again, I'll go over the titles. Truth and Comedy by Del Close and Sharna Halpern. Improvised by Mick Napier. And Improv Nation by Sam Wasson. And again, these will all be included in the supplementary materials in the show notes uh, that go with this podcast. Now, last but not least, we've talked about two categories. We've talked about improv exercises you can do by yourself. We've talked about some media books that I highly recommend consuming in addition to listening to this podcast, not to plug. But, uh, you know, we've got a lot of great episodes here, a lot of incredible interviews. There's a lot to learn, a lot of nuggets of wisdom. I've learned so much sitting in this chair for 43 weeks. A lot of good stuff. So finding this last category, pre-class, how can you mentally prepare yourself to have a successful IFTP class, right? Because the work starts before you come in, sit down in that chair and say, yay, blue night, right? That's where the work begins. So three things I'd like to often think about before I go into an improv class. First thing is pick an objective for your class. Oh my gosh. You want to talk about growth? You want to help yourself become a better improviser, think about something you want to work on and choose that as your objective going into class. Like tonight, I am really trying to hammer home space work. I want to work on my space work tonight. Force yourself to do that. Not to ruin scenes, but even make it known. Be like, hey, so-and-so, I'm really trying to work on space work tonight, just so you know. Right? Tell your friend, tell your teacher, whoever that is. Get it out there. They will respect and I think appreciate that you're thinking about your improv, your craft outside of the classroom and bringing stuff in that you want to work on. That is awesome. So whether that be space work, uh, your characters, your range, right? Um, whether that's, you know, the emotions that you show on stage. Um, if you just want to work on establishing the who, what, where, right? Maybe it's like, yeah, I start my scenes and I, I often find that we have maybe these two things, but we're missing the location or I don't really know what's going on. Focus on helping establish that at the top of your scenes, right? A good improviser will establish those things every time, right? And then eventually you get to a point where you can mess around with that, but you've got to have those building blocks of a scene. So, right, pick an objective before coming into your IFTP class. Next thing, challenge yourself to get up at a different time. Now, I know from my experience, right, we do these exercises, right? We're all sitting down, maybe two improvisers are up, three improvisers are up. Challenge yourself when you get up. Maybe you're a person who sits back and watches everyone else do their scenes. I wanna push you to be the first person to volunteer to do an exercise. Just do it. You haven't seen how the exercise has gone yet. You don't know because this is gonna help you trust your scene partners no matter what. It's going to help you become a better improviser because you don't always know how something is going to go. Most times you don't, but you still have to get up and do the improv anyway, you know? Take away that security blanket from yourself. You'll see it later. Get up first. Maybe you're someone who always gets up first, right? You're an eager beaver. I'm definitely this type of improviser in class. And there are some nights where I need to challenge myself and say, hey, Michael, chill out. You need to go second. You need to go third. You need to go at the end, right? Listen, sit back, watch, observe, 
then get up and go. Maybe you just need to go in the middle, right? Mix it up. Mix it up. That's all I'm saying. It can change your experience within a scene when you go up and do the exercise. It's a really helpful tool, and it'll make things feel fresh for you as well. All right. Uh, another thing you can do in addition to that, right, challenging yourself to jump up sooner or later when doing exercises is also mix up where you sit. If you sit in the same seat every time in improv class, change it up. Sit in the front row. Sit in the back row. Sit next to someone new that maybe you haven't interacted with as much, right? Get to know someone else in your class. Chances are you might be working with them later that night. Doesn't hurt to know them a little better, right? Might help your scene out. If you have a shared basis or shared understanding on something, right? Just mix it up. That's the challenge. Mix it up. Mix it up. All right. The final thing I think you can do pre-class, and this kind of goes with mixing it up, but a little more than that. At the top of a scene, there are often two people, right? There's the person who initiates and the person who tries to jump on. And I think all of us kind of identify in one of those two categories. No, I go up, I'm often the one who initiates a scene. My partner joins in, they yes and, we build something from there. Or you go up, oh gosh, I never initiate a scene. I don't want to do that. I'll let my partner do it. I'll figure it out and help out how I can. Change your role. Next time you go to class, change your role. If you're always the initiator, don't be. Don't be. See what happens. That's going to be hard. It can be hard to... Give that space. But a good improviser knows give and take, right? Improvisation is a generous art form. So let it be a generous art form. If you initiate too much, give your partner that space. If you don't initiate enough, give your scene partner the comfort that says, hey, I'm going to initiate. I got this. You can trust me. Follow along, right? Either way you choose, you can be a generous improviser. Do it. Do it. So to summarize, my three pre-class things to think about. Pick an objective for your next class. Challenge yourself to mix it up. Initiate versus yes and. These are all things that you can do. So in summary, yes, at the end of the day, improv is a collaborative art form. But because we spend so much time outside of class thinking about the next class, let's use that time to better yourself as an artist, as a performer, right? as a collaborator, as a teammate, as a scene partner. The way I think about it is like this. I, I recently watched an episode of the TV show, The Bear. And the premise of this episode was essentially the idea that every second counts, whether it's the amount of time you have or the amount of time you don't have in the work that you do and in your life. Same thing goes with improv. Every second you apply to this craft makes an impact to the next time you're up. Every second counts. Every second you're in a scene on stage, that counts. Whether you're being too quick or too slow, every second counts. I don't know where I'm going with this, but although improv is a team sport, requires, you know, is is truly a collaborative art form, I still encourage you to take the time to work on yourself, polish yourself up, It's going to help you feel more confident. It's going to give you things to work on the next time you come into class. And it just uh, helps you get to do a little more improv, even though you're on your own. So again, if you're interested in seeing all this written out, uh, you can go ahead and take a look down in the show notes, read through everything in there. So I put the information on this because I want you to be successful. 
I want you to grow in your craft in improvisation. This is a beautiful art form that deserves the polish that we give so many other art forms, right? The rehearsal, the practice, the attention, the care, the love, right? IFTP is a gym. Work out. Drink your protein. Don't use human growth hormones. We're all natural, baby. That's IFTP. That's improv. Thank you so much for listening to this episode where we learned how to improv yourself. Again, I'm your host, Michael Lee Evans. Improv for the podcast is streaming on all platforms as well as it's always on YouTube if you want to check it out, see my face, see some guests' face. Uh, as always, we'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, we'll see you next time. Improv for the podcast was created by Matt Moore and Michael Lee Evans. Edited and produced by Michael Lee Evans. And finally, presented by Improv for the People. Interested in more IFTP? You can visit us at improvforthepeople.com or on our socials, such as Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, new episodes are released weekly. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.